You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. This past week, the Holy Christian Church had the wonderful opportunity to celebrate the Feast of the Ascension of our Lord. Now, it seems to me from the world's perspective, we have to be especially crazy to do that. Because think about it, what happens in the Ascension other than Jesus being removed from the eyes of his disciples? Now, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus remained on the earth? Wouldn't it have been better if Jesus continued to prove his resurrection as he did with his disciples, appearing to them bodily so that they could reach out and grab him and touch him? Wouldn't it be better if Jesus had stayed with his church? But dear saints, you know better. These past few weeks, Jesus has taught you that it is to your advantage that he goes to the Father. You know that it is by his ascension that Jesus' kingdom of grace overcomes your captivity to sin, to death, and the devil. Now, this is not to say that Satan isn't going to try to take advantage of Jesus' absence from your eyes. With him at the Father's right hand, there are two scandals that Satan sets before you. And these are stumbling blocks to your faith. Now, in the, in the English today, I think the text says something like, I say these things to you so that you will not fall away, but it's better translated, so that you will not be scandalized, that you will not stumble and trip and fall. The first stumbling block that Satan sets before you is excommunication. That is, being cast out of fellowship with the world that denies that Jesus is the Christ. The second stumbling block is martyrdom, that is, being killed for your confession. Both of these scandals may seem to be the subject of news headlines from other parts of the globe, but Jesus insists on preparing you. He insists because these afflictions, these stumbling blocks, are upon you even right now. And Jesus says that they are going to afflict his church until the day that he returns in glory. Now, instead of leaving us as sheep without a shepherd to fend for ourselves, Jesus promises us. He promises you comfort. He promises you the comforter himself, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so the question set before you today is where are you to find Jesus' comfort? Where are you to find the comforter, especially as you are being rejected and killed? For the disciples, it was really easy to know where they could find their comfort. It was with the man who called them by name, who called them away from their fishing nets and from their tax-collecting booths. They rejoiced in this man's words of mercy, And they were astonished at his teaching. They marveled and praised God when the demons were cast out, when the sick were healed and the dead were raised. And if you ask the disciples, where, where can I find my comfort? They would point to this man among them and say, see this man? He is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of God. And you can find with him the kingdom of heaven. Jesus loved his disciples. He kept them from all harm and danger. 
when the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee were about to overtake the boat, Jesus calmed them. He protected his disciples from the anger of the scribes, the chief priests, and the Pharisees. And when the time finally came for Jesus to be bound up in chains, to be led out before the Sanhedrin to be tried, Jesus kept his promise to the Father. Out of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Now, as Jesus suffered and was crucified and buried, his, his, shepherd, uh, his sheep, his disciples were scattered for a time. But then he gathered them back to himself by showing them his resurrected body. For 40 days, Jesus remained with his disciples as they basked in the light of Easter joy. And if you ask the apostles where their comfort could be found at that moment, they would point to Jesus and say, It is found with this man who has died for our sins and who has raised to promise us everlasting life. He's here with us. Reach out and, and touch the marks in his hands. Put your hand into his side. Rejoice because your Redeemer lives. And so think, think about how it must have felt when on the day of the Ascension, Jesus was lifted from among them into the sky and was hidden by a cloud. I think it's fair to say that it's not, it, 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 it's not so much that their Savior vanished from their sight, but their comfort vanished with Him. And in fact, you know that this is true because after, after the ascension, what did they do? They descended the mount, they went back into the upper room in Jerusalem, and they locked the door again for fear of the Jews. And at that moment, it's, all, it's almost as if Easter had never happened. For a whole week, they meditated on the fact that they might too be killed as Jesus, their Lord, had been killed. They must have remembered and meditated on the words of Jesus when he said, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. And it's true. Because every syllable of what Jesus had said to them came to pass in their lifetime. In fact, it came to pass quickly. They were rejected, and they were killed. So let's first consider their rejection. Why exactly is this a stumbling block? Well, you have to remember how precious the synagogues were for every devout Jew, and even for the disciples. Because it was in the synagogues that they would hear Moses and the prophets. These were the scriptures that were read and, and were preached. And so to be rejected and thrown out of the synagogues was the hardest testimony against them that they could imagine. Because it was being told that they were not God's chosen people. It was being told that these scriptures were not for them. Why were they rejected? They were rejected for confessing that Jesus is the Christ. That the, script, that the scriptures that were read and preached in the synagogues testified about Jesus. But consider this. Who are the ones who were really cut off? Remember Jesus' words. They have not known the Father nor me. Jesus says that though the Jews thought they had the comfort 
of knowing that they were God's chosen people, that these were their scriptures, these scriptures ceased to be theirs the moment that they rejected the Christ that they foretold. Their comfort became a false comfort. And in fact, the apostles' absence was actually an accusation from the same Moses and the prophets that they had cast themselves out of God's presence with their unbelief. Now, I know that you too have been rejected for the sake of confessing Jesus' name. Now, Satan may try to convince you otherwise, but you ought to know better. Because there are family and friends who mock and make fun of you for being a Christian. The world resents you and you and your beliefs for calling adultery uh, an affront against God's estate of, of marriage, for calling things like abortion murder, for saying that Jesus is the only way to the Father, for simply confessing the creed, the world seeks to rob you of every shred of comfort that you have, to isolate you in the cold with the fundamentalists and the extremists, and to cast you out of their communion that finds consolation in the fellowship of prideful autonomy and human wisdom. They reject you because they know neither the Father nor the Son. Now, the world may not love you, but I want you to know this. Jesus loves them. He shed his blood for your rejectors, and he atoned for their sins. And that's exactly why the apostles continued to preach when they were thrown out of the synagogues. Instead of hanging their heads in shame, they more boldly proclaimed God's favor, his gospel, that Christ loves sinners. How is that possible? How did they find their comfort? How did they go on when they know that when they knew that it would cost them their lives? You see, it's one thing to be rejected with sort of a live and let live mentality, you know. Leave us alone and we'll leave you alone. It's another thing to be rejected and then killed. Now, I know that probably many of you think, and I'm tempted to think this way myself oftentimes, that in our culture of tolerance that killing Christians is a distant and questionable reality. Does it even happen? So, for instance, I, I, I listen to the news often, and, and they're all here that there is no such thing as a war on Christians. The news stories that you hear about, about Christians being killed in other parts of the world must be some big mistake. Because... No one in the world really wants to hurt Christians, right? And so we're tempted to think that people are, are put to death because of social tensions or economic concerns. That there are other explanations for the tragedies of Christians being put to death. Now you can believe their word or you can believe Jesus' words. And the truth is that Christians have always been martyred for their confession. And in fact, we know that this, this world under the power of Satan and his demons, demand the blood of Christians as the supreme act of worship. That's exactly what Jesus says. He says, whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They're not serving God. But service is indeed rendered. And so what then? When things are this bad, when the scandals of rejection and martyrdom fall upon our brothers... And in fact, they start to threaten us. Where do we turn for comfort? Where is our hope? 
Jesus offers us, first of all, a strange sort of comfort. He says, when their hour comes, <laughs> when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I mean, told these things to you. Jesus says, I say these things to you in order that you may not be scandalized. You know that it's coming. It's no surprise that the world hates you. It hated Christ. He died at their hands, and so why should it be different from us? Are we better than our master? Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus says that in the world you will have tribulation. It's a promise he gives you. He doesn't promise peace and prosperity in this life. He promises the opposite. But Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And this is how he has overcome the world, dear saints. The words of Psalm 110, the prophecy concerning Christ, where the Father says to the Son, sit at my right hand until I make all of your enemies your footstool. These things have been fulfilled in Christ's ascension to the Father's right hand. His enemies are his footstool. Your sin, your death, the devil that harries you day and night, these are the things that are crushed under his feet. Now, how can this comfort you? How does this help when it looks like you are, in fact, the one who's being crushed? Well, remember that you're not alone, dear saints. The Comforter who proceeds from the Father bears witness of Christ. He convicts your hearts with faith that mocks the devil's weak attempts at violence. He gives you boldness to rejoice at your rejection and your martyrdom because that means that you have been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ's name. The Holy Spirit that emboldened the apostles to preach on the day of Pentecost is bound to their same witness. God attaches His Spirit to their word. The testimony of Christ, through whom the Father is known, and the scriptures of Moses and the prophets are fulfilled. When you hear of Christ, you obtain his gifts from the Father's right hand, forgiveness and everlasting life, and Jesus ascended victory over his foes. But here in this life, in this world, Jesus prepares you to suffer. By the power of the cross, made perfect in weakness. Thanks be to God, because it is through this word of the cross that Satan, Satan's kingdom of death is overcome by Christ's kingdom of grace, which fights, which fights back against your sin and death. Your comfort, dear saints, is found in this place in the baptism that, that you see often over there at that font. Your comfort is found at this altar, where Jesus gives you his body and blood, and it's found at this lectern and pulpit. Here is where Jesus has promised the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the same, comfort, the same Comforter who gives you faith now in this moment, who gives you boldness to confess Jesus' name, who saves you, and who makes you a child of God. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.